Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Filler today. I always say alongside, but we're always over Skype. Practicing our social distancing and podcasting through it all. We've got a great guest. We get the goods from Gord Wilson, longtime Senators color analyst, and the Bean. It's going to take another year to sprout. We'll get into all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Thursday, April 16th, and Pilsy. Good stories out of Gord Wilson. What a storyteller. I mean, not uh, that either of us are surprised, but I think one of his answers uh, when we asked him about uh, the history of the Ottawa Senators and how he got hired was you could have written a chapter in a novel with just that answer alone. So, Sense fans, you're going to be interested to hear uh, a way back throwback. early 90s of Gord Wilson and Dean Brown and uh, how they got lined up and uh, started the best duo in uh, NHL broadcasting history uh, way back when the Senators started. We also got into what their favorite moment in the booth may have been. Which Ottawa Senators team did he think was most built for a Stanley Cup championship? And we check in with his health because he had a couple scares recently, but it's great to see that he's doing better. So we appreciate him coming on. You'll have to stay tuned to listen to that. I mentioned off the top, the bean will take another year to sprout. If you've been listening to the show, you know that's the Pinto bean, Shane Pinto, the Sen second round pick, 32nd overall in the past draft. Seems the same as JBD. These guys have unfinished business at North Dakota. Absolutely. And like they had just had a dominant season, like they hardly lost any games. And then the season gets cut short by the COVID-19 virus. Just it's really too bad because those two guys, uh, they they could have gone uh, pretty far with UND and Johnny Tyconic, obviously on that team as well before he uh, switched schools. So really, Pinto, I think this is a good move. Also, can, Ross, can you say that Johnny Tyconic called an audible to Omaha? Shout out Peyton Manning. Yeah, that's actually funny. I was going to comment when you said uh, he's going to Omaha. The only thing I think of is Omaha. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, you definitely could say that. Um, But uh, what's important, too, and I think this is a smart move by Pinto. Not only uh, is UND a great development school, obviously, but I think it's good. Take another year with JBD and kind of try to be that next group of core prospects that comes up. Like I would rather him wait a little bit, develop a little bit more rather than jump right in uh, playing. I'm assuming in Belleville, I don't think Pinto would quite be able to crack the roster, but then you're fighting with guys like Schlappick, Norris, Brown, uh, Formanton, Balsers, like all those guys, give them more time to develop and kind of cement their roles in the NHL. And then Pinto and JBD can come over And they can start a whole new group of prospects up in Belleville and uh, uh, continue to develop together and get uh, more chemistry with all the boatload of draft picks that are coming our way in this draft. So many draft picks coming. One thing of note, too, with Shane Pinto, he will be 20 by the time next December 26th rolls around, and that's too bad. He's born in November, so it's so close yet so far, so he will not be eligible for next year's World Junior Championships. Nor will JBD, of course, who will be 21 as a junior. One thing of note with uh, Bernard Docker as well is Bruce Garriott came out with an article between when we 
spoke about it just based on what we knew at the time and now saying there is no chance this isn't a situation like Kevin Hayes or like Jimmy VC or we've seen it with uh with other guys in the past where they play all four years and then go to free agency a lot of sense fans were nervous that Joey Dak would was going to do that he ended up staying and signing with Ottawa but JBD, this is strictly unfinished business. I don't think there's even worth looking into it any more than that. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch North Dakota next year, just like it was this year. Oh, yeah, that team is, uh, they're going to be a contender next year again, for sure. And another thing to note, too, going along with uh, developing more at school, he's going to get a chance to continue to improve on his face-offs, which he's already so dominant in. He's going to get a chance to play more power play, kill more penalties, which those aren't things he would get, um, like he wouldn't be on a first power play unit. He probably wouldn't be on a first line in Belleville. So he's going to get more ice time, more time to uh, kind of fine-tune other parts of his game uh, at at the college hockey level. So I think this is the right move for Pinto and the Ottawa Senators organization. Another right move for the Senators organization was long, long ago when they decided that, you know what, let's give that that kid, that hometown kid, a chance to broadcast the Ottawa Senators. So without further ado, let's send it over to our conversation with Sens color commentator and legend in the city of Ottawa. Here's Gord Wilson. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. He's been half of the best radio booth in the National Hockey League since 1992, and the Sens were just a baby. But don't you dare say he has a face for radio because he is the face of Sens TV. Very happy to welcome Gord Wilson to the Locked On Senators podcast. How are you doing today, Goody? Well, I am just fine, thank you, and very pleased to be joining you fellows today. Well, we've got lots we want to get to with you, but first and most importantly, you had a couple health scares recently. How are you doing? Yeah, uh... Oh, I'm barely hanging in there, but you know, no, everything is good. Thanks for asking. It's been uh, uh, a while. well, what's today? April? Uh, I'm not sure if we're, I'm dating this or not. April 16th uh, at the time of this interview, and it was exactly two months ago today that uh, I had a minor heart attack. Um, just minutes before I was about to leave the house to go and broadcast the Ottawa Senators Dallas Stars game on a Sunday afternoon. So um, shortly after getting out of the hospital there, I uh, took a week or two off and um, went back to work and the rest is history. Got back from California early uh, from a five day, five game road trip. And uh, a couple of days later tested positive for uh, uh, COVID-19. And you were on a roll, too, with your game day goodies. Was it in Anaheim, maybe the second last game, or you were right buried on on the beach? How do you get the inspiration to this thing? Well, uh, it's just born stupidity. Um, that helps when you <laughs> don't have a lot of smarts to begin with. You just look for stupid things to do, and they sort of come naturally. And, of course, when I threw it by Dean, he went, oh, perfect, yes, count me in. I'll bury you. There's no problem there. So uh, if we were going to get uh, COVID together, it would probably would have been on that day. Uh, but that wasn't the day because he's uh, been fine and uh, remains fine. So uh, anyway, yeah, when we um, do a little thing called um, – what is it called? It's called the. It's just a preview, basically, of the game that night or that afternoon, and uh, we put it on the TSN Twitter page and uh, and go from there. So yeah. 
Yeah, you and Dean definitely uh, like to have a lot of fun. But before we get uh, into more of that, uh, obviously the the big uh, topic these days is the COVID-19 virus. And uh, you would uh, have more kind of knowledge and experience with this than most people having gone through it. Uh, what would you say, Gord, is the most important thing that you kind of learned going through the recovery process that uh, you can share with the listeners just yeah, um, with the COVID-19 virus? Yeah, you know, when I went through the symptoms and I kind of checked them off as uh, I experienced something different and certainly uh, a walk up the stairs that left me short of breath was probably the most telling um, about four or five days after that. I never got a fever, uh, but I experienced the uh, tremendous muscle and joint ache, uh, the loss of breath, uh, heavy chest, um, a tiny bit of uh, sort of anxiousness or anxiety level that uh, left you a little bit antsy, I guess. Um, and at the same time, about three or four days after all of that hit, um, I lost my sense of smell and taste, and that was the most telling, I think, for me. So what I what I would certainly uh, pass along to everybody who is, you know, still feeling anxious about this, and so we all should be, um, is... Um, practice what public health is telling us to do. I have five people living in this house, and I'm actually quite proud to say that no one else contracted this from me. We were very, very diligent in self-isolating in the house. Um, uh, I had one daughter come back a week later uh, after I tested. She came back a week later from New Zealand and immediately went down the basement, and we immediately went two weeks without any contact, just discussion from her being at the bottom of the stairs to me being at the top of the stairs. Um, we wiped down everything. I'd get up early in the morning and have breakfast and then wipe down everything I touched. So I'm, I'm quite fortunate, and I mean, in my house and family, um, we're, we're very fortunate that nothing was passed on. So I would just uh, urge people to continue to proceed with a tremendous amount of caution. And I know we're hearing the words caution, uh, optimistic, uh, cautiously optimistic, uh, you know, as the curve does start to get flattened a little bit. But if we let up on the gas pedal at all here with our due diligence and self-isolation and distancing, social distancing and washing hands, uh, we're hooped and we'll be right back to square one. So uh, we got to maintain the course or stay the course and uh, hope for the best, obviously, because I think we'd all love to see fellas and hear hockey no matter when it's played. If it be in June, July, or even as late as August to finish this season, I'm all for it. I'll take it any way. That is very well said, and we're glad to hear that you're on the road to recovery and that nobody else in your family was was infected as well. I want to take you all the way back to 1990, maybe 1991, because I know you were there when the Sens were awarded the franchise, so before they were even a team with players. Yeah. And I want to go into something I've been curious about. You know, you, you've kind of been the voice that I've grown up listening to Sens Hockey on. And how did that job opportunity come about? I know you were working for the Rough Riders before that, right? Yeah, well, I was working for the radio station. And at the time, 580CFRA was our our sports station, our news and sports station. Um, and uh, they carried the Rough Riders. I happened to come over from a country western station. It, at the time, it was called CKBY. I was doing uh, morning and afternoon sports there when CFRA, John Batham, I think, 
a lot of Ottawa people will remember the name John Batham. He was a sports director, and they were looking for somebody to come in and do some sports and some news, somebody that had done both before, and um, I got a call saying, would you be interested? And I said, absolutely, and uh, got the opportunity to um, uh, join Dean Brown and Jeff Avery and Harry Dunlop on the uh, Ottawa Rough Rider broadcasts. I was a sideline reporter and uh, hosted uh, the pregame, the intermission, and and a little bit of the postgame show. So um, Jack of all trades, master of none, got my foot in the door here, and how it ended up with the Senators, right place, right time, fellas. I knock on wood every day, and in fact, I'm knocking on wood as I speak to you because um, I was very, very fortunate when the Senators got born or when the Senators' concept came out. i got to tell you, I was on the road covering the CFL in June. They did something, the CFL did something called a Sky Camp Tour, and we they would take a reporter from each CFL city and we would gather in one location to begin this tour. It started in Vancouver, and there were nine or ten of us who traveled the countryside with the CFL president or commissioner at the time, whose name escapes me. He was the undertaker. I can't remember what his name is. Sorry about that. But anyway, uh, we did this CFL Sky Camp tour. I got to Hamilton in June, and um, Dean calls me and says, do you know – uh, this company called Terrace Investments. And I said, nope, never heard of them. He goes, because there's just been a fax come across our news desk. Might be, might have been in 1989. And um, he said, we got this fax that says they're going to apply for an NHL franchise. And um, we went, okay, that's interesting. Power to them. Let's hope, you know, fingers crossed and everything else. And so this sort of took, um, took lit on, on life of its own, basically. And, um, uh, I guess the rest is history. I, I got a chance to go down to West Palm Beach uh, to cover the story and was there with the Ottawa Fire Department's uh, band and obviously uh, the big shots from Terrace Investments. Jim Durrell was the mayor at the time. He was down, and um, uh, so too were many civic leaders that were you know, aiming to you know, push for this franchise to get born. And uh uh, happened to be there at the right place at the right time as well because I think uh, probably I think it was either 20 after one or 20 to two uh, that I managed to get to a phone. We were all in a boardroom and um, Jim Durrell walked in and I don't know he, he, I was standing a, a, a very close to the Ottawa contingent and um, I don't know if he was making eye contact at me or those in the contingent but he just casually put a thumb up in the air and as soon as and it, I caught sight of that and I took off for a phone and um, called back into the radio station with the report the Senators um, <laughs> have been or Ottawa has been awarded a franchise and details wow. to follow basically yeah it was a real fun story I got really emotional uh, on the air because I'm an Ottawa boy and um, um, to all of a sudden you know be in the thick of things and realize that um, the city is getting an NHL franchise. It was, holy cow, this is unbelievable news. I mean, it's probably the biggest, well, it will be the biggest story I have uh, will ever cover uh, in my lifetime until maybe the team gets to a Stanley Cup and I get a chance to broadcast one of those games. But 
Um, yeah, it, uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was phenomenal because the night before, uh, we were at a bar. I can't remember which the name of the bar, but we were at a bar, and Mr. Firestone was walking around. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, people had a lot to drink and he and he wasn't one of them but was walking around saying i don't think we got it but thank you very much for your support i can remember the handshake like it was yesterday and thought man that what a tough break here they've really really pulled out all the stops and i don't know i think i got back to my hotel at like five in the morning and at eight we got phone calls to go to the breakers hotel something was cooking and um yeah it was a quick turnaround for sure yeah, that must have been just an absolutely amazing moment when uh, you realize that it's true that uh, the Ottawa Senators are coming to the NHL and uh, you're getting to see a hockey team, an NHL team in your own home city. Uh, and you and Dean, like you said, you kind of got lucky, I guess, uh, that you were right place, right time to uh, get into that. But you guys have had great chemistry ever since. And like Ross said, we love listening to you guys on the broadcast. And uh, Ross and I actually work for the Belleville Senators. Uh, we both live in Toronto, so we have got long drives coming home after the game. So we always Yikes. make sure to yeah. catch. Oh yeah, so <laughs> we always make sure to catch the third period of the Sens game on the radio with you two. And uh, there's a memory that we have uh, last season. The Sens were playing the Flyers, and you and Dean went into depth uh, about Radko Gudis. Uh, being a caveman, and uh, all Dean, it was Dean. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was about a minute of uh, you guys talking about cavemen, and uh, Ross and I were just dying laughing. So that kind of brings the question: What are some other funny moments that you have had in the booth? Uh, with oh, Dean? There's got to be a lot of them. Eh? There uh, are some stupid ones, and and it's a novel uh, to be written. Like, <laughs> well, I can, the first one that comes to mind happened in the Toronto uh, booth, and I think uh, no, it was at the uh, uh, Scotiabank Arena, then the Air Canada Center, um, and we were doing a wrap-up, and for whatever reason, I caught the giggles, and I say for whatever reason, because I cannot for the life of me remember why I started to chuckle, uh, but I could not control myself, and I started to laugh and stop laughing, and the two of us were on mic, and stupid Dean, oh, God love him, it was so funny because he looked at me and he realized I was losing it and he did nothing. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get it back together here. And I take a peek through the corner of my eye at him and he's just looking at me. And I, that started me off again. And then he adjusted his microphone and I got myself together, uh, you know, after a couple of seconds and started to talk again. And all I could hear was he adjusted his microphone to put it up to his nose and all I could hear was him breathing, and that started me again. And it was, I mean, that's just dumb stuff that um, um, two people that have worked together for as long as we have kind of enjoy and um, and then just take it from there. Anyway, that's just one small story. Well, that's one story of, what, over a 1,000 games at least. So you see... Oh, a couple the, of the thousand. Past, yeah, a couple thousand. Yeah, I'm at, uh, I think... Uh, I think I'm at 2,200 and something, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Yeah, up until my heart attack where I missed six games, I had only missed five the previous 27 years. Talk Um, about an Ironman streak. Yeah, it was pretty good. I had a good long run and was most disappointed in fact when i when i went to the hospital on the sunday afternoon my uh, I, I was taken to the hospital by ambulance and um uh 
I asked my wife to pack my work bag because I thought possibly I could just get to the hospital, get checked out, and then get to the game that afternoon. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. And I missed, I think, five games because of that. So I've missed 10 in total, I believe, over the uh, course of a long, fun career. So I'm sure the playoffs stand out more than anything. There's a few teams I have in mind, but I just want to ask you in general, uh, I mean, the ones that stand out for me, obviously, 03, 06, 07, and then yeah. 2017, more recent. Which one of those rosters do you think was most built for the Stanley Cup? Oh, boy, that's a great question because 03 um... – they, you know, like seeing Chera play in '03 and then he's yeah. still in the league producing, it's unbelievable. It, it, it is unbelievable, and it's and it's quite sad that he got away. Now yeah, that yeah. was his choice, really. Uh, I think he got. Uh, I think there was a little. My own personal thought is uh, he was promised the captaincy of the Boston Bruins. Uh, do you think he, anything? Do you think anything of the fact that his good buddy and countrymate Hosa got shipped out of town a little unceremoniously the year before? Yeah, I do. I think so. Um, it's interesting because I think uh, all three players, Hosa, Chera, and Wade Redden, were all offered the same amount of money uh, to stay with Ottawa, and I think Wade ended up getting more because um, both Hosa and Chera, I don't think, agreed to. Um, the sort of terms of the deal, and that's why. Okay, well, we're we're going to do a, a sign and trade of Marion, and that left Mar- uh, Zdeno a little left in the lurch, and um, he obviously made a decision after that to uh, uh, to part ways. But yeah, it, it's shocking that he's still as dominant a player as he uh, once was um, at his age, uh, over forty years old for sure. But yeah, um, so all three ranks right up there. Um, 07, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, did they have Dominic? Did they have? No, 06 was the year where Hasek went to the Olympics, so you got a 22-year-old at Razor in there. Yeah, exactly, and followed it up with Razor going to the Stanley Cup Finals in 07. So uh, I would say 06 ranks right up there. If they had a healthy Dominic Hasek, they would have won the Stanley Cup. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And you want to talk about stories, uh, I can tell you from Buffalo, um, they pleaded with Dominic. Uh, I think Daniel Alfredson and company pleaded with Dominic to get back in the nets, and um, it was it was almost a little uh, disappointing the way it was done because I think they did so with Ray witnessing it all, and um, it was unfortunate for Ray that you know he knew that he was the backup, and he knew that he was not nearly as good as Dominic Hasek, and that they Senators desperately needed him. And so it just added more pressure to the young man. Uh, but um, Dom failed to answer the bell, obviously, and uh, I think that certainly cost them a Stanley Cup for sure. Well, I know there, there, there's three goalies on this call right now, and I know all of us <laughs> have been r- right right back in between the pipes. So we really appreciate your time, Gord. Before we let you go, though, Pillsy's got to finish it off with a goalie question. Right? Yeah. It's only, na- only natural. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we tout ourselves as a goalie-friendly show, so we got to get it in. You spoke about uh, uh, playoff goalie performances and Chara being in the league a long time. Well, Craig Anderson, 38 years old, he's uh, put this team on his shoulders in playoffs before. What do you think is going to happen to uh, – basically, Anderson is the franchise leader in almost all goalie categories for the Stems. What's going to happen to Craig Anderson uh, this offseason? Yeah, that's a good question here, and it's one that I'm sure he kind of wonders about as well. Um, he certainly, I don't think, 
I, I got to be honest with you. Of all the goaltenders that I've had to deal with, Craig is probably the most athletic, and 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 that includes Ray Emery. Um, wow. uh, um, Craig has combined an awful lot of stuff to hone his trade. He's, he's an extreme and, and Ray was, don't get me wrong, Ray, a fantastic athlete. He, you know, he could step on a golf course and probably break 80, uh, his first round. That's how good an athlete he is. Craig had different skills and a different set of skills that he was just a wonderful, well-tuned athlete and in tune with, the position of playing goal. And I honestly thought a couple of years ago that I wouldn't hesitate to get this guy, continue to have this guy play for the team at uh, 40 years of age. Now, that being said, he's, he's, he's faced way too much rubber in the last couple of years. The team has not been nearly as good as it should be in front of him. And as a result, He's probably a little shell-shocked. I think physically he can still withstand the rigors of everyday life in the National Hockey League, but the bigger question is, does he want to? Um, and do the Senators want him uh, back in the fold? I, I, I think he's done, to be honest with you. Uh, if he does come back, it'll be in a backup role, likely in Florida. Yeah, that would be close to home as well. We've seen a lot of Senators kind of, Shift there. I mean, with a free agent, it's a little bit different. But you know, you're thinking back. Dion getting traded to LA to be closer to his wife, and they did the same with Mike Fisher. Yep. Be nice if he could finish his career off there. Anyways, Gord, we'll leave us that. Thank you very much for joining us on the Locked On Senators podcast. Hopefully, we can catch up down the road. We got so much more uh, insight we got to get out. But as always, we can always listen to Gord uh, periodically. We'll say at this time, but when hockey's back, so will the best broadcast booth in the National Hockey League. Thanks again for taking the time today, Goody. No, thank you, fellas. This has been a real treat. Uh, walk down memory lane at times as well. Sorry I gassed on for, for far too long, but uh, this is uh, much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, stay safe, wash your hands, and stay home and save lives. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Gord. I know we did. Hope to have him on again because there's so we much need knowledge. Him on again. So much knowledge. I mean, you could argue that nobody has been around this Ottawa Senators more. You even heard him say in the interview, before these health problems in February of this year, he had not missed a game. He said maybe five or six games since 1992. There was a couple, yeah. He scoffed when I said over a 1,000 games. Like, you <laughs> dummy, I've doubled that. And I was like, you know what? You'd probably be a 1,000 games on a football schedule let alone the 82-game riggers. And he's probably not even counting preseason and playoffs. Wow, what an absolute legend. Another legend in the city of Ottawa, stuntman Stu, who's been going through some health as well. He posted a a video today. He's in remission. Stu Strong lives on. That is amazing news. Still a ways to go. The battle is not over, so we send our best wishes. And what a milestone, especially like any good news is so important right now during these times. So it's it's awesome that Stuntman Stu is able to put out that video and we're rooting for him. Absolutely. And I mean, geez, with everything going on with this virus, there's so many health scares going on. And it seems like, you know, maybe healthcare uh, is having a tough time keeping up with everything. So it's great to hear that he's gotten the care he's needed and that uh, things are at least trending in the right direction for him. We're all uh, pulling for you, Stu. So all in all, great episode. Stu Schwartz doing better. Gore Wilson doing better. The boys still podcasting through it. And we will continue to do so. I know we did the first half of this fan survey uh, last time. So Pilsy, we'll probably get to that later in the week. Maybe over the weekend, eh? 
Yeah, yeah, just a couple more questions uh, that uh, we didn't fully get to, get to, but yeah, we're gonna get to that. Uh, Ross, I know you're excited about uh, the, time. the three of us are uh, looking at making an all-time draft. We're each gonna draft our all-time favorite Sens team. We're gonna do that uh, off air, and then we'll have our list, and then we'll come on and uh, discuss discrepancies and uh, maybe get a little uh, fiery on uh, who choose who's where. Oh, it's gonna get controversial it has to because what we're gonna ultimately do is put the teams out on twitter and say if you had your pick you're a gm you get an nhl team which of these teams and of course it's gonna be the players in their senators prime so and it's important to also note we're gonna do it in a way as soon as a player is picked he's no longer available so of course if you yeah we're we're not all gonna have the same players that way yeah, no, no player will be on the same team, and it's not going to be a situation where I get Marion Gabarik and I can get a 50-goal score, right? It's what you got with the Ottawa Senators uh, in terms of that. So that'll be some fun content we've got planned for you as this uh, suspension lingers. But you heard Goody, too. Eventually, there will be hockey, and eventually there will be a 2020 NHL draft. Sens fans should be even more fired up about the latter. So for Brandon Piller... I'm Ross Levitan. Thank you once again to Gord Wilson for joining the program today. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. We've got your team every day.